cats and kittens. We are back with another very special stay at home self quarantine episode of the Brando cast. My guest today, she's a force of nature, a writer, an actor, a director, and an all around mega talent. <laughs> she's looking at me like, are you insane? No, I'm not. Because if you go to IMDb and you type in the words, Sarah Ramos, prepare to have your fucking mind blown because all she does is work. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome Sarah Ramos to the show. Hi. Thanks, Brendan. Uh, I did a little digging and it looks like you might have a role in the upcoming a Laker show on HBO Max, Winning Time. Yes, premiering next week. Honey, I play the girlfriend, Cheryl Pistano, of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop it. Yeah. Are you familiar with his work? <laughs> um, not only am I familiar with his work, I'm a fan of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's. And when I worked at Tower Records in Westwood, California, in the year of our Lord, 1990, Kareem used to come in all the time because we had a very good jazz collection. Oh, he loved jazz, loves jazz. I have my Lakers jacket right here. This is actually my dad's from 1980, I think, which is the uh, year of the first season of the show. Oh, my fucking God. Okay, so this was a real-life character? This lady was yes. his girlfriend? Yes, Cheryl Pistano. Um, she was his girlfriend and a very positive force in his life. He's written about her in his memoirs, and she was like a really fun time and a good person. <laughs> she she so, was a really fun time. <laughs> she, uh, she seemed she seems like she was very fun. Um, Solomon, who plays Kareem, um, like went to a dentist uh, in LA who said that they had treated Kareem and Cheryl and that they like showed vacation pics and Cheryl was like topless in all of them. So <laughs> I hope that's not, I feel like I don't know what I should or shouldn't say, but she also, you know, worked in a lot of nonprofits and charities. So hence I'm like, she was fun. She, she liked crystals. If I'm not sure, like crystals are really popular now in 2022, but they were also really popular in the seventies. Oh, yeah. oh, I know. Oh, I know. I'm well aware. <laughs> yeah, so I got to like improvise um, talking about crystals a lot, and I was able to really draw from experience of LA people today. And it was oh. the same same stuff back then. Well, now you you grew up in Los Angeles, correct? I grew up in Orange County uh, in Seal Beach, California. But yes, I was a child actor, so I was you know constantly driving on up here. Okay, well, we're going to get into that today um, when we discuss. Um, <laughs> topic for today's discussion is Michelle Branch, but I'm sure we're going to get into your life, your young life in Los Angeles, Orange County, Seal Beach, California, whatnot. But before we move on to the primary topic today, I want to just say something to the fans listening to the show right now. One of the reasons that I love you so much and I'm so blown away by your talent is during the pandemic, you have really gone hard to the hole on, forgive me if I'm getting the term wrong, but recreation videos where you recreate classic scenes from some hilarious movies like you did the social network you've done mean girls election have you done clueless i almost did clueless i had a very exciting um somebody who i'm a fan of and friendly with zoe kravitz had hit me up and said she wanted to do a scene from clueless so we almost did it and i don't know what happened it just didn't it just didn't come through but it'll happen one day 
With okay. Who knows? Well, that's fucking phenomenal because the people should know you can go to YouTube and watch a whole bunch of these awesome recreations where you do the you dress up, you do the lines, <laughs> you recreate the scenes, oftentimes with another partner. You've done stuff with Chloe Grace Moretz. Uh, so can you tell just tell us about the genesis of your recreation videos because they're really tremendous. Absolutely. And thank you so much for your support of them. You've been, I really needed your enthusiasm. It's it's kept me going. And yeah, you said if you go on IMDb, all she does is work, is work but you can really, it's, it's on my Instagram. They don't count that even though, wow, yeah, you're right. For the past few years, I've been churning it out. So I've been making these videos. Um, I was originally inspired by TikTok. Like I was just watching people's TikToks. This was like 2019 and thought these people are so creative. Like I am shocked by the artistry that's coming out of TikTok and it inspired me. And I was like, I want to make something. What would that be? Would it be like, oh, me doing a scene from Bring It On, um, of one of my favorite movies that I just have memorized in my head. Like I have certain scenes memorized. You have that with like movies. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm Gen X. So we, we grew up watching movies to memorize them. I memorized the blues brothers, fast times at Ridgemont high stripes, Valley wow. Girl, all the bullsh- bullshit boy movies of the early eighties. We, Valley we, Girl. we yeah. hit, hit me with like one set of dialogue. If that's not putting you on the spot oh, too much, that's oh like in your head. <laughs> oh my God. I know I'm putting you on the spot. Like, uh, shit. What? Cops? No. Is that, that's the only thing that's coming to my mind from Blues Brothers. I hope they don't have schemats. What schemats? State, county, municipal, offenders data system. Yes. If you gave me time, if I had a heads up, I could do it. That was incredible. Raising Arizona is another one. Who wears the pants in this family, H.I.? (laughs) But like, I think that was incredible. And don't you ever have like, like the first one you said, it was like, shit, what cops? Like if you ever hear the word, like just cops, like, does it ever trigger that, that exact delivery from the movie in your head? Yes. And as you're talking, all of a sudden I heard, I don't know. He's wearing his damn jammies and shit. All I know is you looking for my boy in the one place where he ain't. Yes, exactly. So I have that with so many movies and TV shows. Cause I watch them obsessively. Like my friend and I with, and I feel like I'm going to be educating you, Brendan, yes, on yes, a certain era of yeah. pop culture. Um, yes. I feel like we don't have much overlap in the Venn diagram, but we're both very enthusiastic. Um, like my friend and I, we if we say yikes, we had to go bikes. That rhymes. <laughs> Oh my guy, like that's from um Never Been Kissed. Uh that is a <laughs> sequence that happens in Never Been Kissed when Drew Barrymore is spiraling out because she's talking to a guy that she has a crush on and she starts rhyming and it's embarrassing. But so for instance, we had stuff like that. I um thought I have this scene from Bring It On memorized. I will just act it out on my own, opposite myself. And I did that. I couldn't edit in the TikTok app. I was like, I can't, my thumbs like are too big for this. Like I, this isn't enjoyable to me. So I edited it in premiere and like posted it on Instagram. And, um, people were like, this was before the pandemic. People were like, please do the whole movie. I'm into this. And I don't know about you. Like when I had been posting using Instagram, the way I thought it was supposed to be used, you know, 
trying to be cute and make my life seem cool, I, people weren't really responding. <laughs> they were like maybe a heart or something, but there were no comments being like, please continue. I need you to do this. And so I was encouraged. I was like, oh, I should do more. And my friend Ben Lewis, who's amazing, requested I do a scene from the morning show um, starring Reese Witherspoon, one of my faves. And so I didn't get around to doing that until like the first week of quarantine. I thought, well, I've been meaning to do this. Might as well do it now. And then I started doing them once a week. And it was like kept me sane um, and posting these reenactment videos. They are tremendous. And you are so fucking talented. And it's just so fun to watch you, you know, pull off all these different uh, characters. <laughs> Thank um, you so much. And they're really, they're also, I think I said this to you when you first started posting them, like they're really well done. Like they're really high quality, which uh, reads to me. Thank I mean, you. I, you know, so, and it makes a difference. So I well, think I they're think super it's cool. Hard. I think that's, I really appreciate that. But I think it's funny. There's like a high, low, like connection. Cause on the one hand, you know, I'm wearing like silly wigs and like cheap outfits, but it doesn't really matter because the spirit of the commitment and the enjoyment <laughs> and the fandom is there. That is true. Yes. I think. But they're well shot. That's what I mean by high quality. Okay. Like they're okay. well shot. Like mm. I think the silly wigs. I think that's fun. Like dressing up like uh, fucking uh, Jesse. What's his face? You know, in mm -hmm. Social Network, <laughs> putting on the wig to be Mark Zucker. I mean, that's hilarious. But they're just well done. They're just you. well done. Um, you made reference to you educating me about pop culture, and uh, <laughs> kids. That's what's going to happen today, because uh, for the first time on the Brando Cast. We're going to talk about someone that I don't know who the fuck it is. Wow. We've we've talked about Ozzy, the Purple, <laughs> <laughs> the Go-Go's, the Cure, the Smiths, Replacements, Judas Priest, blah, 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 blah. But we have not talked about. Turn it inside out so I can see the part of you that's drifting. Born on July 2nd, 1983 in Sedona, Arizona. Michelle Branch is an American singer, songwriter, and actor. During the early 2000s, she released two top-selling albums, The Spirit Room and Hotel Paper, and won a Grammy Award for Best Pop Collaboration with Vocals with Carlos Santana for the song The Game of Love. Beginning to sing at the age of three, Branch enrolled in voice lessons at Northern Arizona University when she was eight. She received her first guitar on her 14th birthday. After teaching herself chords, Branch immediately composed her first song, which was called Fallen. She initially attended Sedona Red Rock High School, but finished the last two years of her high school education through homeschooling so she could focus on her music career. And Sarah, those are just some notes from Wikipedia and wow. other sources that I've sort of called and put together. But I want you to tell me everything I need to know about Michelle Branch. Okay. Well, first, I, I have some questions for you just for my reference. What was going on for you culturally, musically in, in the years, in 2001 to 2003, the peak of my existence? The peak of your existence, I was insufferable. Mm. I uh, And the peak of your existence, live. I've I just finished my 10th or 11th year in Los Angeles. Uh, I was uh, kind of out of my mind in 2001 because I had just gotten out of a, a very bad uh, breakup, you know, a very mm -hmm, sad mm -hmm. uh, breakup, and I was putting the pieces of my life back together. I was living in an apartment on the corner of Hollywood Boulevard and Nichols Canyon alone mm -hmm. uh, with my dog, Ozzy, 
but I was still cool guy, punk rock, metal, mm-hmm. cool guy, white guy music. So That's you would I, have like despised, like, like to my memory, it's like, bring it on legally blonde, Michelle branch, like Vanessa Carlton, like this was the culture. You couldn't look anywhere. Britney Spears, you know, you were like, Oh, well, I was, I was 30. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that type of music, that TRL music, Mm. That was everything that I hated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. but I think you might know this about me. I have always been a music snob and I'm finally breaking mm. that snobbery after a cabillion years mm-hmm. because for the longest time, especially from like teen years until about 30 years old, I had to be the guy that discovered the bands before everybody else. And when I mean mm-hmm. bands, I mean cool guy bands. You know what I mean? I had to be the guy that heard Nirvana first. I had to be the guy Mm -hmm. that heard, um, I'm trying to contemporize it, like the Pixies first and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. It was my whole drive to be cool guy. Record store clerk who's not a record store clerk. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I was the exact opposite of this. I was like (laughs) 10 years old, 10 to 12, uh, huge years for me. I was, I would say I just... I'm very susceptible to marketing. Um, and I feel like at that era, 10 to 12 year old girls were a market that was being heavily um, paid attention to by the mainstream. And we had so much teeny bopper pop. And I was obsessed with the Olsen twins. I went on American and Ashley cruise. These were Opportunities oh, time out, time available out, time to out, us. Time yes. out, time out, time yes. out, time out. Mm-hmm. I, Mary Kate, <laughs> <laughs> my mind is being blown apart. Oh, right you didn't now. know about this. Oh, no, my okay. mind is being blown right now. <laughs> you went on a cruise. Were the Olsen twins uh, on the cruise? Yes, we paid to go on a cruise that the Olsen twins, um, were on that was a huge reason uh like a hundred girls and their families went on the cruise uh, uh, did, it, did it leave from the port of long beach where did it where no did it we had from? to go to miami or something um oh here's i'm God. showing a photo of me with the olsen twins uh, is that from the cruise this is from the cruise yes holy this christ is theater of the mind people story yes okay. theater of the mind people there is a there is a picture of Sarah being flanked by both Olsen twins. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. uh, They're both in tube tops. Their outfits are matching, but not exactly matching. One's in a, they're both in striped tube tops. One's pink, one's green and denim. One's a skirt. It's gorgeous. Um, now I'm a major fan of Lizzie Olsen, Campbell Hall's finest graduate. I heard you uh, say that in your Catherine Hahn episode. I'm also a fan of Lizzie's. Lizzie was on the cruise. What? You, what? What? She, we went to the Bahamas. You think they weren't going to take her, their family on the trip to the Bahamas? I met Lizzie in the um, computer room. She does not remember that. I did mention to her oh. this more recently because she was in a movie that my husband directed called Ingrid Goes West. Oh. And I, I had to tell her. 
Um, what, <laughs> what, what were the activities that happened on the cruise? What I'm would, so glad what, you asked. What I would have, a day be like? I have a full photo album where we bought at the end, they had a gift shop. They had a professional photographer on the cruise and people at the end of the cruise purchased professional photos to be put in a huge photo album. Um, so they had fashion shows, they had bingo, they had, um, <laughs> They had dance parties, themed dance parties every night. Like there's a photo of me with a um, seasick bracelet on, like dancing with Mary-Kate Olsen um, on the Lido deck, just living. Um, We had beach excursions where they would have to come take photos with us. Like it was, it was heaven. Oh, I, uh, (laughs) does, does does that cruise still go on? (laughs) <laughs> they certainly do not do that anymore. It was it was a larger company called Sail with the Stars. Oh my goodness. And I know they did do some cruises later, but I don't I I don't think that happens anymore. There are still celebrity cruises, which is a topic of my interest. I know Melissa Etheridge does cruises. Kesha does cruises, but I have not been on another celebrity cruise. Since. Well, see, that, like that, I, 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 you're, you're blowing my mind. You're, you're, you're teaching me so much today. Exactly. Uh, because exactly. you know, I know about the Kiss cruise. Oh, <laughs> see, there you go. I know about the Weezer cruise, um, and a whole bunch of the metal bands have. Uh, but I had no idea that there were teeny bopper pop icon tours. Blah 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 blah. To support uh, Michelle Branch's interest, her parents helped her book local gigs in Sedona and later financed her independent album, Broken Bracelet. Her set list at those early gigs included covers of songs by Show Crow, Lisa Loeb, Jewel, and Fleetwood Mac. In December of 1999, Branch posted two of her songs on the Rolling Stone website, which caught the attention of both pop rock band Hanson and former Rolling Stone writer and L.A. record producer Jeff Rabin. Eventually, this led to two gigs. Michelle Branch opened up for Hanson twice in the year of our Lord, 2000. In June of 2000, Branch self-produced Broken Bracelet, which was a compilation of all the songs she'd started writing when she was 14. Its title was inspired from a bracelet made by Jewel, which was given to Branch by musician Steve Pulse at a Lisa Loeb concert. Good God, is that a word salad? Pulse later told Branch that when this bracelet breaks, you will be famous. That's just some early information from Michelle Branch. I did not even know about that. That that was an incredible story. Um, okay, so I want—I haven't even gotten to Michelle Branch because I was just setting the scene for you. Yeah, but, I love, yes, I love it. Um, so Michelle, as you can kind of see by those references, um, she was her influences. She was, um, to quote one of her songs, a little bit left of center. <laughs> Wait. She said, who wants to be ordinary in a mixed up, messed up world? I don't care what they're saying as long as I'm your girl. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like, as I said, I I inhaled anything that was marketed to me. And at some point, Michelle Branch was marketed to me. And she had that. What I just quoted was a song called You Get Me from her uh, debut album, The Spirit Room, because I did not know about Broken Bracelet. And she had Everywhere. You've got to know that song. I you're yes. everywhere to me. I I absolutely do. And I, I it reminds me of like, this is going to sound like such an <laughs> asshole, like, a, like an old WB show. 
Yes, yes. Oh, my God. Was it the title song of a WB show? I know it was a giant, massive hit, which we played earlier in the show. But um, I only know that stuff from trips to the Glendale Galleria and walking through JCPenney. And that's when I'm going to hear that kind of pop music. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have no children, so I'm not going to hear what they're. I'm not going to hear Kiss FM. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to hear any of those kind of stations ever. Right. Uh, but through osmosis, it, it pops in. And of course, TRL, I, you know, I, I, I was hoping that something would happen to the people who worked on TRL. So, wow. you know what I mean? Yeah. That's dark. That's a little, <laughs> look, look within Brendan. There was some joy being delivered and children being raised. Um, okay. I think everywhere was on the American Pie 2 <laughs> soundtrack. So okay, perfect. That's, perfect. That's, yeah. Um, so, you know that, and you know, goodbye to you, I would imagine. Um, it's like, goodbye to you. Now, run. see, I I only know Goodbye to You by Patti Smythe and Scandal, mm. <laughs> which was a big new wave song in the early 80s. But I, I don't know any Michelle Branch. So this whole thing, like putting together the notes for this discussion today um, was a, a, a delight. You had to branch out. <laughs> wow. Yes. Well, I like the fact that she I like the fact that she was from Sedona. Arizona, mm -hmm. because I spent my teen years in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is, you know, not too far away from Sedona. Mm -hmm. um, like, what a cool place to be from. So I love that about her. And of course, I mean, she's a doer and she's done all kinds of interesting things, which, you know, we'll, we'll read some more about her career in a couple minutes here. Mm -hmm. But um, I want to know, I want to know about you. I want to know about that. It's long been said that the music industry is focused on 13-year-old girls. Mm. So I want you to give me a, another a bigger portrait of you at 13. Absolutely. Well, as I said, my peaking years were, I would say I had already peaked by 13. Um, I was peaked by how? 12 peaked was my how? best. Well, I was a child actor. Here's how it happened. It started with the Mary Kay and Ashley cruise. Okay. I was obsessed with the Olsen twins. I went on that cruise in 2001, which I believe I was 10 years old. I came home and started acting professionally um, and got cast in a TV show on NBC um, called American Dreams, which mm -hmm. you might remember because it was about the TV show American Bandstand, um, which was about, you know, music pop music in the sixties. So this was an extremely meta experience for someone like me who was already obsessed with celebrities to the point where I was going on a Mary Kate and Ashley cruise because the show would have scenes at American bandstand and have stars of today, quote unquote, come play stars from the sixties. Oh, so they would have, they had Michelle branch play Brenda Lee and I learned about Brenda Lee, like I learned about songs from the 60s through these stars um, from the 2000s singing. Yeah. Like wow. I was obsessed also with like, here's an example of how this was like a peak moment for me. Like I grew up, I remember watching the first season of American Idol. And I remember that the finale episode of the first season of American Idol fell on the day of my first day of sixth grade. 
And I got on the bus to going to school and I'm from Seal Beach, a lot of surfer skaters. And I was like, hey guys, like, who do you think is going to win tonight? Justin or Kelly? Like, do you guys think Justin or Kelly is going to win? And at some point, one of the like surfers or whatever was like, shut up. Like, we don't care. (laughs) I was like, okay, Mm, I've been voting every single night, calling up and voting multiple times for Kelly Clarkson, but... I see that that's not appreciated here. And so I went home, screamed through the house when Kelly Clarkson was voted the winner of American Idol. And then to top it off, when I peaked was I wouldn't shut up about Kelly Clarkson on the set of the TV show that I was on so that they brought Kelly Clarkson in, I think to also play Brenda Lee. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Whatever it takes. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Amazing. Um, Quick tangent. The way that I relax at night is by listening to 60s music. Motown, British Invasion, Bubblegum, Psychedelic, Garage Rock, all of it. Eh, mm-hmm. All of it. All of it. Uh, 60s on 6 on Sirius XM. It's one of my favorite stations in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Sonny and Cher. I love the fucking association. I love the birds. I love the Supremes. I love it all. Um, are you still a fan of Kelly Carson's? I am a fan of Kelly Clarkson's. How can you not be? She's running this industry. She's got her own show. She's killing it. And I can't help but feel like I was a part of that success by voting her as the winner of American Idol. Tell me just what you want me to be. In 2001, Branch signed a recording deal with Maverick Records. She began working on her first album and major label debut. The Spirit Room was released in August of 2001, producing the single Everywhere. The single was a commercial success, winning the 2002 MTV Video Music Awards Viewer Choice Award. Everywhere was later followed by the singles All You Wanted and Goodbye to You. The Spirit Room was certified double platinum for selling over 2 million copies in the United States. In 2002, Branch teamed up with Carlos Santana to produce the song The Game of Love, which went on to win a Grammy Award for Best Pop Collaboration with Vocals. Branch also earned a Grammy nomination in 2003 for Best New Artist. Nora Jones won that award that year. Okay, you keep saying Pete. Yeah. Uh, you, what What do you mean by peak? Not peak <laughs> of your talent, but peak of your fangirlness. Well, it's like you know, be, realizing I can go on American Ashley Cruise, and then going on the American Ashley Cruise, and then coming home and being like, I want to be like them. I want to be an actress, and then like being an actress, and then what really happened was. I was, so then I'm on a show, which is meta. They're bringing in like Hillary Duff to play who's she sang that song leader of the pack. Right. Okay. She, she came on to be in the Shangri-Las. Yes. And wow. I had no idea. I'm just like, Hillary Duff is here. Like babe, <laughs> Hillary Duff is here. And it was like Paris Hilton played. I dream of Jeannie. Oh my God. And I God. was like, Oh my God. Like she said, she like called everybody hey bitch and i was like oh my god what's she gonna say um it was thrilling usher was on was on the show um and you know kelly clarkson so then but the other part of it is so i'm i'm just already celebrity obsessed and then i'm getting i'm even closer up front and center getting the celebrities you know shoved in my face and then what happened was i got invited to a premiere a film mm. premiere mm. 
<laughs> at 11-ish, maybe 11 years old, to the premiere of Blue Crush, another movie that was aimed at my demographic. Um, and it, I went, I got free popcorn, I bought an outfit on Melrose Boulevard Avenue. I think it's Melrose Avenue. That is an unbelievable question. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just Melrose. I live five I live five minutes from there, but it's just <laughs> it's just Melrose to me too. So oh I God. bought an outfit there. I went to the Blue Crush premiere, walked the red carpet in like a training bra, and had the most fun I'd had since the Mary Kate Nashley cruise. And it was just like all the pomp and circumstance was like electric to me. Like I was already obsessed with Hollywood um, and Britney Spears and any like woman that they put in my screen on the WB. I recorded all of those shows. Um, and then I just got like shoved into it. And I was like, I, I guess I think it's my peak because I wasn't really cynical like i didn't have uh -huh. i just believed mm -hmm. everything and it mm -hmm. was so cool and so exciting and i was a kid so like nobody judged me for taking a lot of photos with celebrities at these events which was my hobby at the time and um i got to be like as annoying and excited as i wanted and it was just like pop culture candy nonstop. What else were you into besides celebrity and pop? Was there anything else like a side hobby that you had? <laughs> Absolutely or, not. That was all it. Okay. <laughs> right I was very obsessive, but that's why you actually, when you told me to pick an artist, I thought Michelle Branch, because this was my um, preteen adolescent years. And then my, my teenage high school years, actually, there was a major shift for me where I became very cynical and very ironic and rejected all the pop stuff and was like thought because the internet wasn't as big, then I was like, I could just delete that. And nobody will know. Nobody will remember that I used to love the Olsen twins and stuff. And then I did get into like Paul Simon and Bob Dylan. And I thought I was just became, I wanted to be, a serious person. And I thought that meant deleting all of the joy from my life. That is <laughs> that, that that's, well, that's part of the artist journey. I mean, you were just on the artist journey. That's it. Is it? Yeah, honestly, I think so. I mean, I, because I think we've all had, you know, I had my own sort of cultural awakening when I got to college, that's when I became a little cynical and well, no, definitely at the end of high school, uh, because I did, I felt like I was like not part of the mainstream at all. That I was different in, internally than other kids. That mm -hmm. I, my I, my high school people were not my tribe really, and I was looking for my tribe. And when I got to college, I found my tribe, and that's when my tastes expanded, uh, mm -hmm. e even musically. That's when I had my thing. But that sounds incredible, like an incredible sort of growth. Was there an event? that altered your life then I've looked in and I've, I've thought a lot about this now because I've kind of come back around and, and embraced the pop side of me too, again, instead of denying it. Um, 
And there was a lot going on. I, I mean, there were some deaths in my family mm. um, that were pretty tragic and traumatic, but we never dealt with at all um, and never talked about. And also as a child actor, you know, I hit puberty and it was kind of immediately like, okay, now you need to be like a hot sexy girl. And wow. I was like, not comfortable with that. at Did all. you feel that pressure when you were going out on auditions or talking to producers or whatever it was, you felt that pressure? Yes. Oh, she's shaking her head. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I think wow. like looking back now, I think, uh, yeah, that is exact. That's a, that was a big turning point. I don't, but it's interesting because I would, um, I consumed all of these images. Like I loved Reese Witherspoon in Legally Blonde. And she's like the kind of the height of that type of femininity and, and sexuality. But I never, I didn't like take it as like sexuality. Like as it was like, I love consuming it and that was fun. But once it was like, I wasn't able to do the things to reproduce it on my mm-hmm. own, if that makes sense. Like I was like, Absolutely. Whoa, I'm really uncomfortable with everything that's suddenly, subtly being asked of me. And I like shut down and was like, never mind. I like Bob Dylan now. Um, I'm going to ask you a weird question. Have you watched the Brittany Murphy documentary? I haven't. I'm scared. I've heard, I've heard a lot about, it. I love Brittany Murphy. I'm scared though. Uh, I'll just say this. It won't ruin the movie for you or anyone listening to this, but sh- this, she went through this. She went through this. She went through the process of being like quirky, fun neighbor girl Mm -hmm. to, oh, no, it's time for you to be hot. Mm -hmm. And the pursuit of being, quote unquote, hot. It's part of the story. It's scary. It's It's really scary. It's there's so much that's not said, like, because they know that's kind of what I've thought about, like, when I look back at auditions I had when I was like 15 or 14, like, and the emphasis was like, you should be sexy. <laughs> well, that's right. And, and so there's a whole hallway of, of 15 year old girls in miniskirts. But they can't right? say you need to be sexy because you're, four, yeah. you're, you're an underage girl. Ugh. But then, and it's kind of confusing then. I mean, this is, I'm just, this is a philosophical question and I'm not okaying anything. But like, then when you turn around and like, culturally, we're like men who are attracted to like t- teenagers that's disgusting and you're like okay but whoa but you just produced that like why are you produce why are you putting out all these images of hot teenagers if you don't want people to be attracted to them um my answer to that not to brendan's blame <laughs> the world to you uh worldly traveler but i'll say this to everybody else a lot of angry seventh grade nerds run hollywood Just walk away. Michelle Branch's second major label album, Hotel Paper, was released in 2003 and debuted at number two on the Billboard charts. It's been certified platinum for selling over one million copies. In July of 2005, Branch began collaborating with her backup singer and longtime friend Jessica Harp, which led to their band, The Records a band that combined their perspective favorite genres, pop rock and country. The duo's first single, Leave the Pieces, was released in February of 2006, while their album, Stand Still, Look Pretty, was released that May. The group was nominated for the Vocal Duo of the Year at the 2006 Country Music Awards and for Best Country Performance by a Duo or Group 
before the song Leave the Pieces at the 2006 Grammys. The records broke up in 2007. In 2015, Branch announced via Instagram that she had signed a new contract with Verb Records. Branch also began dating Patrick Carney of the Black Keys that same year, and they co-wrote the album that would become Hopeless Romantic. This was Branch's third studio album, Hopeless Romantic was released in April of 2017. Of course, Michelle Branch is still out there, and we hope making new music. Um, just some notes on Michelle Branch with my friend Sarah Ramos. Can I ask, you've gone through the journey, you've gone through the Hollywood factory, you've seen the ugly side of the business, you've experienced the fun of the business. Where is your head now mm-hmm. about the whole fucking thing? Well, I think it's a really interesting question. And part of the reason I chose Michelle Branch was because during the pandemic, uh, the beginning of the pandemic, when we were in quarantine, I, you know, hadn't listened to Michelle Branch in a, in a long time. I hadn't listened to The Spirit Room, um, her first album from 2001. And for some reason, like on like Saturday mornings, I would be like vacuuming. All I wanted to do was listen to the spirit room. It just came like raging back. And I was like screaming everywhere and like remembering, you know, driving back and forth from LA uh, to Orange County with my mom listening to hotel paper. Um, And I just, I was like, why am I singing this? (laughs) Like it was a spiritual, like body memory, thing that just came back. And it reminded me, um, that pop culture at the time, um, was so important to me. It was like an escape. Like it was a religion. It it was like, they were, you know, marketing stuff to a 11 year old who really needed like a leader and somebody to look to and like, I just took it so seriously. And um, like I said, on the first first day of sixth grade, being like, who do you think is going to win American Idol? It was like, this is a big fucking deal. Um, And by the way, I think, you know, it has proven to be a big deal. As we said, Kelly Clarkson still runs the world. But um, I thought I, I was able to see that I think pop culture for me was really, really important like, and a a really big source of joy, um, and escapism in a time when I really needed it. Um, and then that kind of all came crashing back when we were like in quarantine and couldn't leave. And it was like my psyche or whatever was like, you need the spirit room again. Does that make sense? A hundred percent, because it connects us to fun periods of, I mean, I was pop culture obsessed when I was a teenager, you know, but I sprinkled it with, you know, a lot of heavy metal, but all Mm -hmm. the 80s movies, all the 80s TV, I was a latchkey kid. Mm -hmm. I love the monkeys as much as I love Judas Priest. Um, I love vintage episodes of Happy Days and Chips as much as I love Iron Maiden and Dio. Um, Mm -hmm. I love Fleetwood Mac as much as I love Journey. And hearing that stuff will often take me back to the good times. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like times when things were peace were fairly peaceful. I mean, there was always a little bit of chaos in my life and I, but I needed those things to escape. I mean, we mm-hmm. all, we all need something to escape. I'm not telling you anything. You just explain that to everybody. I mean, you built your own life raft. Yes. It which really is feels really like awesome. Yeah. 
that's what, so I think with all the work that I do now, like with the recreation videos I post on social media, I have a zine, which is uh, part of what the Mary Kate Nashley photos is from like a compilation of all the photos I took with celebrities when I was a kid. I've done a lot of writing about that time. Um, and I think it's like, you know, in the period in high school when I was like, I only like Bob Dylan, my previous like obsession with pop culture was a source of shame. And I was like, that's wrong. So embarrassing. I can't believe I did that. And, um, I've, I've kind of said, I've come back around to be like, you know what, if the movie Charlie's Angels starring Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore and Lucy Liu was a really solid, good memory (laughs) for me of my childhood, like that's just as, um, valuable as if it was like summer camp, a, a happy summer camp memory. Well, and when you when you write and direct your masterpiece set in 2001, mm-hmm. maybe about a um, a girl growing up in the South Bay or Seal Beach <laughs> or, uh, you know, somewhere between Anaheim and Long Beach, mm-hmm. uh, the, the soundtrack will be kick-ass because you care about those things. I think I've also learned... Oh, wait, quick pitch. What? Murder on the Olsen twin cruise. That's Dude. the movie. It's a horror movie. Okay. okay. We that- love it. <laughs> no, that's, that's very spot on. I'm actually trying to adapt uh, a Meg Cabot book, another name you may or may not be familiar with. Yes. Nope. You know, uh-uh, uh-uh. you, but you know, her work, she wrote the princess diaries books. Yes. Okay. Um, she wrote another, uh, she wrote a book series called, um, well, it's the Heather Wells book series, and it's about a former pop star. I was inspired by Britney Spears, who starts working at a New York dorm and solving murders. And so it's like a combination of those worlds because what I was going to say is I kind of realized that even the women who I was consuming their stuff, and they seem so effortlessly hot and fun and like the ideal. Like, I mean, as you see now, you can't go a week without like some huge star being like, yeah, I actually had some horrible experiences behind the scenes that I didn't feel comfortable talking about. And I feel, I do feel really connected to the stars of that era and feel like, you know, they need to be done justice. Before we wrap up, is there anything you want to promote or throw out there? And then I'm going to, I'm going to make one request. Oh my God. Okay. My request is for a Valley girl recreation. (laughs) <laughs> or fast times, but it's okay. a valley girl. It's a valley girl recreation. That's that's my. Do you know they did a they recreate they did a full reboot? There's only one valley girl, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the Ridge. I've not you seen kids the Ridge, but I got to check I'm, it out. I'm begging you. It's, okay. It is it is Nicholas Cage's. It's his finest work. Gorgeous. Um, my friend Cameron Die is in the movie. He plays Fred, mm. Nicholas' mm. best friend. I beg you. I beg you. I beg you. Also, one of the best soundtracks. Of any movie ever made. Mm. Valley mm. Girl soundtrack. Say San Fernando Valley before you were born. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, wait. Yes, what I want to pitch. Yes. Well, you mentioned Winning Time, um, the Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. I believe the uh, the subtitle is that's coming out next week. I'm I'm sure I don't even have to promote that. People will be watching because it's HBO Sunday, honey. Um, <laughs> but I have um, a Audible original coming out in May that I'm really excited about that I wrote um, and perform with Chris Messina. Um, and it's called Zaddy, Z-A-D-D-Y. And it's a sexy thriller. 
Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. And it may have some um, connection. There may a certain song from 2002 may play a important part in the plot. Well, 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 well. That's fucking mm-hmm. phenomenal. Your force of nature, as I said at the top of the show. Um, and I'm so grateful to you for spending some time with an old man like me <laughs> and teaching me about the importance of Michelle Brandt's and the Olsen twins. Education is fundamental, Brendan. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And to the rest of you, thank you so much for liking, listening, subscribing. The Brando cast is growing exponentially. So many great guests coming down the pike, but who's better than Sarah Ramos? Nobody. Nobody. And of course, the Brando cast is produced by Mr. Richard Sheltinga. So until the next time, cats and kittens. Hey.